0: Hey, everybody, Matt Hardman with the Race Nerd Podcast here on CKCC Radio. I almost said Patreon because this episode was almost a Patreon episode, um, for you patrons, but, uh, I'm going to give this to you free and hopefully this'll be a nice little series that we'll have going on here, um, because I was trying to think of things and, um, I kept pushing back, greeting uh, the 2021 uh, Cup Series drivers on how they did during the season. Uh, But, one, I'm in the car, Um, and two, I I wanted to do this while it was still fresh on my mind. And that is, um, how many of you have Disney Plus? Well, I can't say because, well, uh, this is an audio podcast, and, uh, well, um, there, there's, there's a show on Disney Plus, if you go, uh, through, um, through their Marvel section, and, yes, that's probably the, the section that I love the most, because, well, I'm a big comic book nerd and all, and I think they're fun. Uh, there's a show called What If, which features The Watcher. And the Watcher watches over all these different, um, multiverses, uh, and they, they, they have different stories and like how they break off from what we know from the MCU and other things. Um, and there's, and there's some really cool stories. Well, I, I had that idea. And it came about from listening to Rick Houston. Rick Houston has a couple of podcasts. He is a former um, writer for uh, NASCAR scene. Uh, Back in the day, was Winston Cup scene, and before that, it was Grand National scene. Well, Rick um, is a former writer for that uh, that publication, and you know, he's he's. Authored uh, a couple of books. Uh, one on the um, NASCAR, what is now NASCAR's Xfinity series. Uh, back then, it was known as the Bush Series. Uh, he wrote a, a wonderful book called Second to None. Um, if you are a NASCAR fan, it is definitely worth checking out. It you know tells you the infancy of the um, the Xfinity series all through the early years it has tons, and tons of pictures, It uh, does a year-by-year thing. It, I, I found it very, very, uh, helpful, because I, um, while well, I started watching 1990, uh, I started getting really serious with following NASCAR, um, more than any other motorsport in the world, um, you know, I, uh, I, I had, you know, I just, heard stories and in knew some stuff, but it helped me with, uh, you know, fill in the blanks on a lot of things, um, that were before my time watching the series. Uh, but anyway, uh, Rick does a couple of podcasts first, um, and yes, I am giving a shout-out to podcasts, you know, that are not on this network. Uh, <laughs> uh sorry, Chris, um. And sorry, all the other content creators, but I got I got to do this to kind of get to the point of this episode. Anyway, uh, he does one with um, former editor in chief of um, NASCAR uh, NASCAR Scene and NASCAR Illustrated, uh, Steve Wade, um, called the Scene Vault podcast with a with a interview. Um, drivers and they break them up into the multi part episodes and uh, kind of tell the stories of what had gone on in there and, you know, what had gone on in, in the making of uh, many of the issues of the paper. Also, Rick has another podcast, and I'm going to screw the name of this up. And like I said, I'm in the car, so I can't quite look it up. Uh, it's called the God and Spun Out, Half Tipped Over, uh, Podcast. It's, it's available, it's actually available through Dirty Boat Media. So, um, while Rick and Steve do the Scene Vault Podcast pretty much on their own, uh, this one has Rick's other show, um, the Flipped Over, Spun Out Podcast, uh, that has the production assistance of Dirty Mo Media, uh, Dale Earnhardt's, Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s, um, you know, production arm, so, I mean, that, that's pretty big in itself, and, um, his most recent episode was, um, on a silly season thing that really could have changed your trajectory of, um, of NASCAR, uh. I'm gonna talk about that and you know three little things. you know I have I'm gonna take it a step further from what Rick had talked about Um, and this is the what-if of Junior Johnson. Um, For those of you who don't know Junior Johnson uh, was a is a NASCAR Hall of Famer, was inaugurated into the first class of the Hall of Fame, uh, had a Hall of Fame driving career, was the second ever winner of the Daytona 500, uh, won 50 races in his career. After um, being released from federal prison on running Moonshine back in the day, um, he would go on to be uh, not only one of the biggest stars in the early years of NASCAR, but would go on to be a longtime owner in the sport. And uh, he would win multiple championships, multiple races, um, before selling his team off uh, at the end of the 1995 season and pretty much retiring from the sport. Um, I'll be in a brief comeback as. Um, I don't want to say as an owner again, but as a, realistically as an owner. Uh, I couldn't think of his official title, but when his um, son from his second marriage would return, would um, try his hand at Auto Racing, Um, unfortunately we would lose um, uh, Junior Johnson, just a few years back, um, and for those of you who may be a little curious, um, Junior Johnson. A couple of interesting little things about him: he was pardoned in 1984, I believe, by uh, President Ronald Reagan for those um, moonshining, um, the moonshining activities that uh, that found him in federal prison. He was uh, pardoned by the President of the United States. And also, um, Tom Wolfe, um, the noted author, uh, the man behind, uh, Bonfire of the Vanities and War of the Roses and all, uh, actually wrote a piece, a very famous piece for Esquire Magazine on, um, NASCAR and Junior Johnson way back in the, um, I believe the was the 60s. Um, called The Last American Hero, and um, with that that story was the basis for the movie, The Last American Hero, starring none other than Jeff Bridges himself. So, um, it's kind of a, he, he was a household name without really knowing a name, you'd always heard the stories. Well, anyway, these three stories all interact. Um, not really interact, but they all could have been huge what-ifs, and uh, I'm going to start off with the first one, and this uh, Rick talked about on his podcast. Uh, you see, this one really could have changed um, NASCAR and flipped it on its ear if this did happen. Uh, in 81 Dale Earnhardt had just won the Rookie of the Year title in 1979 and would follow it up in 1980 by winning the Winston Cup title, still the only driver in NASCAR Cup Series history to follow up their Rookie of the Year campaign with a, with a Series championship. Uh, 1981, he would find, um, you know, Trouble brewing with his team uh, as uh, his team owner for his first uh, two full seasons, uh, Rod Osterlin would sell his team to coal mining magnet and um, very eclectic person JD Stacy. Um, and Earnhardt and Stacy did not get along and everybody knew in the garage knew that Dale Earnhardt was a very very talented driver just found himself in a bad situation. Well, Earnhardt would, um, would leave Stacy, go to drive for, um, finish out the season for Richard Childress Racing, yes, the same Richard Childress Racing that he would end up driving for later in his career, um, he would, he would go to drive for that, but where Childress Did not have all the resources and all to um, to really put together something for the quality of a Dale Earnhardt. Um, Dale would leave to go to another NASCAR Hall of Famer's team, Bud Moore, Um, Bud, who uh, was a longtime Ford stalwart and one of the uh, one of the longtime owners in the garage. And on top of that a World War II veteran from the Battle of the Bulge would sign this young man along with his sponsor from his championship season Wrangler and uh, he would compete for Bud for two years but at the same time while he was competing for Bud more uh, another owner caught, caught his eye and that owner is Junior Johnson. Now during the 81 and 82 seasons, Junior Johnson was competing um, Buicks for Daryl Waltrip and uh, Mountain Dew and would win the titles in 81 and 82. Now, some say Daryl and Junior got along like um, fire and ice. Um, and there had been a rumor that while winning the two titles and running the 1983 season uh, with sponsorship by Pepsi that Junior Johnson was looking to offload Daryl Waltrip. Um, and that Earnhardt would be the, um, the man to get the number 11 ride, unseating, uh, DW, and well, Wrangler going with him. Now, going into the 1984 season, which would have been after Bud Moore's contract with Dale would be up. Um. Junior Johnson would partner up with Warner Hogden, a um, famed industry magnate, to run a two-car team of Junior Johnson and Associates. Now, Junior Johnson was going to have a second car, and that second car was none other than one of Dale Earnhardt's closest friends, Neil Bonnet, uh, and uh, there was already talks of sponsorship uh, with Wrangler going with Earnhardt and um, Bonnet getting sponsorship from none other than Coors Brewing Company, um, who he became very close with while um, the NASCAR series would compete in uh, Riverside Speedway in California. So. You would have Earnhardt in the 11 car and Bonnet in the 12 car. Now, at the last moment, Budweiser, uh, seeing what their what their investment was, who had just teamed up with Terry Labonte for the 1983 season, uh, would um, would decide to throw their hat into the ring with Junior Johnson and, um, decide that they wanted to sponsor both of Johnson's cars. Um, and Wrangler was not going to leave Earnhardt, uh, eventually the deal fell through, uh, Waltrip would stay with the team, win a championship in 1985 before leaving in, uh, at the end of the 1986 season. Um, Budweiser would stay with the team until 1995, when they would sign with Hendrick Motorsports. Now, if you think about it, there is a lot to this. Just this rumor alone. And that is, first, you would have Dale Earnhardt driving for Junior Johnson, who had just won two championships with Darrell Waltrip. a couple of years prior, um, it would have kept, one, it would have kept, um, Earnhardt with, at the time, the most powerful Chevy team in the garage. Um, it also would have unseated Daryl Walter. Who knows where Daryl would have ended up? sure he would have landed on his feet somewhere, you know, especially with two championships and already a, a, what, what could have been a Hall of Fame career at that point, then, um, a match, a, uh, a one-two combination of Dale and Neil, uh, two very long-time friends who only ever competed twice as teammates on the Cup Series. And that was during the 1993 season as Richard Childress Racing would roll out a second car to help um, Dale uh, clinch the 1993 championship. So you have all that, you have Coors, Coors, which would, after this deal would go, would fall apart would go to Bill Elliott and be synonymous with the number 9. Um, where they, during 1985 and 1987, they were on the fastest car on the track, and Elliott would give them their only championship in 1988. Um, so you have all those pieces. And what would happen to Richard Childress Racing? Who knows? Uh, Would they have stayed with Ricky Rudd, who they had during the 1983 season and given the team its first championship? Would RCR still be around to this day if Dale Earnhardt did did not go through? You know, how many championships would Earnhardt have won with Junior Johnson? You know? he have won the six championships that he won with RCR? Um, could he have more? Could could we be talking about triple digit wins for, um, for the Intimidator? There's so much to fathom in that story. You know, and, um, but the way it played out is money talks and money that last minute deal from Budweiser changed trajectory of NASCAR, um, you know, for the past almost 40 years. Um, so, we have that what if. second what if it is, is not as, cat- I don't want to say as catastrophic in, in terms of the magnitude of it, but it certainly is. Um, back at the end of the 1990 season. Um, Junior Johnson, once again, after folding his, his, um, his second car, the Neil Bonnet car, um, you know, to run a single car effort with Terry Labonte, um, after Darrell Waltrip would leave the team, um, he would replace Labonte the 1990 season with Jeff Bodine and he was looking at starting a second team with um, at that time journeyman driver Sterling Marlin uh, and there were talks of sponsorship. Coming to play another team owner, uh, this time a driver team owner who was looking for sponsorship as Alan Kawicki. Um, his, his sponsor Xerix notified the team that they would be leaving at the end of the 1990 season, and would um, he, he would be forced to scramble, and one of the uh, possible sponsors was Maxwell House. Now, Maxwell House and Kowicki were getting a deal done, and at the last minute decided to move to Junior Johnson. Uh, to sponsor Johnson's number 22 uh, Ford and um, which left Kawiki scrambling. Now this is where the what if and the changing trajectory would have happened. Had Kawiki been able to procure sponsorship from From Maxwell House, he would have been able to, uh, been able to compete the full season instead of searching for sponsors in the beginning. We all know at the nineteen ninety one Daytona five hundred, Kawicki went into the race weekend without a sponsor, and then was picked up by the Navy, uh the Army, as NASCAR would. Um, NASCAR and um, uh, RJ Reynolds would choose five unsponsored cars to um, kind of, uh, as I was saying, NASCAR and RJ Reynolds would um, pick five unsponsored cars to represent the five armed forces in a show of support for Operation Desert Storm, which was going on at that point, now this eventually this run at Daytona, along with a couple of strong other runs, would uh, would equate to Hooters restaurants um, signing Kawiki for the nineteen ninety one and nineteen ninety two seasons. Now we all know in nineteen ninety two, Kawiki would would. Get get a get a sweet taste of revenge on uh, Junior Johnson um, by winning the nineteen ninety two championship, just eking out the title win over Johnson's uh, number eleven car, which at the time was driven by Bill Elliott. Uh, still one of the closest championships in um, NASCAR history prior to the Chase. So. Kawicki with Hooters would go on a, um, a promotional campaign and on September, uh, not September, uh, April 1st, 1993, Kawicki, along with the, uh, the son of, um, Hooters founder, um, along with other Hooters representatives, would be killed in a plane crash just um, nearby Bristol, Tennessee. I wanted to say just near Bristol, Tennessee, but the airport is not not that close. But um, they would be killed. Had um, Kawicki come with Maxwell House, would he have been killed in that wreck? Um, would Hooters have stayed in the sport? Um, after a couple of failed uh, NASCAR attempts um, with driver Mark Stahl, uh, you know, nobody knows. Uh, so, you know, would Kowicki st- have raced, you know, through the rest of the 90s? You know, could he have been a top contender? Could he have won the Cup championship in 92 had, you know, he initially acquired Maxwell House? We don't know. And the. Uh, The third little story, and I did not know this. This really could have changed a lot, too. Um, not had the impact that, um, possibly signing Earnhardt or, uh, stealing, uh, Maxwell House away from Kowicki was. In 1993, um, after Maxwell House decided to leave, um, decided to leave Junior Johnson after two winless seasons uh, with Sterling Marlin, Uh, they would find a home with Bill Davis Racing and a young rookie by the name of Bobby Labonte. Now to replace them, McDonald's was signed as the sponsor um, and the 22 car would be renumbered the 27, a car number that uh, Junior Johnson ran. in his career, and I believe it was the number that he ran when he won uh, that second-ever Daytona 500. Now, the driver picked to drive that was Hutt Strickland. Um, Hutt would uh, run decent during the 1993 season, but would not be picked up, and would be replaced by Jimmy jo- uh, Jimmy Spencer, not Jimmy Johnson. Wow. Uh, Jimmy Spencer, Mr. Excitement, out of Berwick, Pennsylvania, would uh, would drive that car and would pick up two wins. Now, um, as the story goes, and this is from Jimmy Spencer himself on a, uh, on a Scene Vault podcast, is that in victory lean at Daytona, Junior Johnson said to him, you're three years too late and Jimmy pondered what that meant and um, it was that Junior Johnson was going to leave the sport rather soon. Um, and during during that season, um, McDonald's had reached out to Jimmy Johnson, uh, Jimmy Spencer, uh, about the possibility of starting his own team. And um, while it was all the rage due to um, many drivers uh, running as owner-driver, like Daryl Waltrip, where he would find himself after leaving Hendrick Motorsports, uh, obviously Alan Kowicki, and in that 1994 season, we would see um, Ricky Rudd start to leave, you know, leave his own team, and Rusty Wallace would actually be part owner, along with Roger Penske, of his two teams. So this was not an uncommon thing in the 90s. Now, Spencer starting his own team uh, McDonald's wanted to support him. They felt really really high on him. They thought that he could deliver the wins. And um, there was talk that Junior Johnson would actually sell the team, the 27 team, to Spencer. Now um, I don't fully know all the details because Jimmy was that vague on it during the Scene Vault podcast on how that would have came about. But, uh, in terms of that, that deal did fall apart. The 2017 did go away, um, in a roundabout way, quote-unquote. I'll explain that in a second. But McDonald's would go to, to Bill Elliott. Now, Bill Elliott was already a household name at that point, um, for his career, you know, in the Coors car, uh, his almost championship in '92 to Kewiki. Uh, he would be looking to start his own team um, with his with his brother as Ernie as the engine builder. Now, with all that said, uh, they would compete from the '95 through. Uh, Two thousand seasons as as their own team with sponsorship from McDonald's, uh, driving the number ninety four um, Ford. Uh, while they were not in the win column, they were certainly one of the most recognizable and marketable cars in NASCAR during that time period. I mean, they were on Happy Meals. They were everywhere. You couldn't go anywhere without seeing a Bill Elliott McDonald's hat or a shirt or a jacket. Um, eventually Elliot would sell his team, uh, to Ray Evernham, uh, who would, um, be the flagship Dodge team. Um, McDonald's would be a couple of on and offs here or there, uh, throughout the rest of the, their tenure with Elliot, um, especially when he would dial back his dates in NASCAR. And they would, they would kind of hang around NASCAR. They have, they're still here but they're not a full-time full-season sponsor like they were. Now had Spencer taken this deal, you know, where you know where would that have been? You know, would what would we be seeing McDonald's Jimmy Spencer stuff everywhere. Now, um, Spencer doesn't have the popularity that a um, that a uh, Elliot had, he was certainly a prickly character, but at that point, Spencer had a lot of upside, and I think he could have made it work, probably got a couple more wins in his career. I don't think he would have been a championship contender, but he certainly would have had uh, more than two wins uh, to hang his hat on. And um, what would what eventually happen to Junior Johnson and Associates Motorsports is, um, after Elliott would leave, um, which ironically was Spencer's teammate during the 94 season, Elliott would leave with McDonald's, um, Spencer would, um, move on, and, um, Brett Bodine would replace, um, Both drivers driving the number 11 um, for Junior Johnson with um, sponsorship by uh, Lowe's Home Improvements. Now, you're probably wondering, why didn't Spencer just stay with um, Junior Johnson and move to the 11 car? Now, here's here's another little interesting tidbit I found while looking all this up. Is that, um, and this is... Actually, come out and said it wasn't touched on in the um, in the uh, in the interview with Jimmy Spencer, but had had been posted. And this has actually gone down as fact is that uh, when Lowe's Home Improvement signed on, Junior Johnson did want um, Jimmy Spencer in that car. Once again, you know, while the, you know. The idea of him starting his own team and taking McDonald's with him. uh, That didn't really, you know, perturb Junior Johnson as as some thought it would. Um, Junior was still open to the fact of Jimmy driving for him. And the fact that um, he, uh, he, he, he really appreciated his hard work and his hard driving. And that he wanted to put him in that 11 card, but Lowe's home improvements, um, knowing Jimmy's um, temperament on the track, I should, probably the best way to say it, um, did not think that it lined up with their values and did what ultimately nixed any chance that Johnson and um, Spencer would um, be campaigning the 11 car and they had chosen in their mind they had chosen Brett Bodine a um, another kind of journeyman driver uh, to drive the number 11 car and that eventually would lead to um, Johnson and Bodine and Lowe's competing uh, for one season together before Johnson sold the team to Bodine um, to compete the '96 season. And in 1997, by the time the Daytona 500 rolled around, Lowe's was no longer with the 11 team, that um, they would move on to Richard Childress Racing, ironically. See, it all comes full circle with these little weird multiverses. Uh, but uh, I, I, I just found it very, very interesting how, like, these weird little events seemed to happen within a 10 year time span that really could have changed the trajectory of the sport. Uh, starting with um, Dale Earnhardt almost joining um, Junior Johnson. And I think had he joined Junior Johnson, Johnson would not have gotten out of the sport. Now I know that there were a lot of factors that probably uh, would have, you know, you know, maybe would have happened, maybe wouldn't have happened. I know the only thing that was a given was um, Johnson's age at that point. He was in his um, almost in his seventies at that point, um, and he had been in NASCAR since uh, the fifties. So maybe in his eyes, it was it was you know, Father Time, uh, you know, ticking away. You know, you know, and let's not let's not forget that. Johnson, um, would divorce his long-time, um, longtime wife, Flossie, during that time period, and, um, so there, w- there was a lot of factors that had gone in to say how long Johnson could have stayed in the sport, but I think had he, s- had the original, um, story of him signing Earnhardt and Bonnet, uh, with Wrangler and, um, with Wrangler and uh Coors it could have prolonged his time in the sport too you know could have could have stretched that window out a little bit longer than 10 years and like I said I think they could have had multiple championships um so it it would have been very very interesting but the way things played out I mean I I can't complain um And to be honest, when I started watching the sport, I really wasn't a Junior Johnson fan. It was as I got older um, and, you know, right around the time that NASCAR hit its 50th anniversary, and I started reading more on some of these legends, you know, and I was just finding books left and right. Because it seemed like uh, during the 90s, you know, there was a book every week about NASCAR and NASCAR racing. And um, I, I honestly, got to respect the man and admire the man. I I had a chance to finally meet him in two thousand and one, uh, so to say I was excited was, uh, you know, an understatement. So, um, I I do like these what ifs because these are these are fun little ones. Um, I've already kind of got another one lined up. Um, I don't know if I'll do it next week or the week after, um, but, uh, but I got that. Um, changing gears real quick. We do have some on the track, off the track news. Um, you know, as I said, the season's over with, but there's still some NASCAR news coming about. Uh, first is Joey Gase, um, you know, cup driver and Xfinity driver. Uh, will be competing for his own team next year. Will form his own team uh, with the assets of H2 Motorsports. Uh, for those of you who don't know, H2 was a Xfinity team that ran part-time in 2019. Um, and um, they, they ran with Shane Lee. Uh, with sponsorship, ironically, from Circuit City. Now, we all, I'm sure we all remember Circuit City. They kind of went belly up. Um in the 2000s, but somebody bought the naming rights and was actually selling, um, turned Circuit City into an online-only store, um, no more brick-and-mortar stores. Um, well, this team would compete, um, the team owner would actually, um, uh, be involved with fraud, and part of that was, uh, due to the team, um, Shane Lee, their driver, would actually acquire the assets from the team and would sell uh, Joey Gase and the Gase family five cars uh, to compete on the Xfinity Series uh, in 2022. So it's nice to see Joey Gase do that. I mean, the young man's been plugging along for years, and, and now we will have his own team. Um, other news, uh, Kurt Busch, who had just... Uh, It was announced that his team, 2311, was able to secure a charter for him in the 2022 season with the sale of um, Starcom Racing's charter, um, locking the 45 car into all the races next season. Um, Kurt, who is known to race everything and anything, uh, won the 2.4 hours of Lemons, not Lemons, Lemons, uh, a, uh, a, 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 a fun little novel racing circuit, um, where they raced Crown Victorias, old Crown Victorias, uh, for 2.4 hours, um, and this is, uh, the famous Lemon series where, uh, they race beaters around the track, and it's, it's, uh, it's like a novelty thing, almost like a, um, you know, have fun these are these are cars and drivers where they have they like to have fun with their stuff um Kurt Busch would win on a last lap pass in a race that saw Alex Bowman uh driving the number 48 hack car uh, Parker Kligerman was in it um but it was great to see Kurt you know still out there having fun you know some drivers don't like to slum it uh, running some of these races. Other racers are racers and don't care what they're racing. And Kurt is one of those. that's actually what won my respect over with uh, Kurt Busch many years ago. Um, so uh, we have that. And then we have the big news that um, Tony Stewart, longtime bachelor on the NASCAR circuit Uh, he is now married to his driver on the NHRA circuit. He, him and, um, Lee Pritchard have finally tied the knot. Um, uh, the wedding was this past weekend. You know, and I know a lot of people are, you know, Tony Stewart's a polarizing figure. You either love him or you hate him. Um, but there's no denying his passion in motorsports. And, um, to see him happy, and he's been very happy, uh, with, um, with Lee and you know she kind of she's the reason why he got involved in the NHRA and um, is now a team over there so it's great to to see that Um, I know Marco Andretti uh, grandson of Mario son of Michael uh, was at the wedding and posted pictures on Instagram Uh, other drivers that were there uh, Rico Abreu uh, World of Outlaw racer Uh, And former NASCAR Truck Series racer was at the wedding as well. Um, I'm assuming uh, the Harvicks were there, um, being Kevin and Delaney are very close with uh, Tony. Um, Friends going back to their um, their early in their NASCAR Cup careers. And uh, the fact that Tony is now Kevin's boss for the past uh, seven years. Uh, so, I, I think that this is, the, 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 it's a bit of good news. And I know Tony had been linked um, in the past with uh, other drivers, uh, most namely um, Jessica Friesen, um, Stuart Friesen's wife, um, before her and um, Friesen got married. Uh, she was linked with him, uh, another former racer there. So, um, this is great for Tony. You know, like I said, um, I, I really don't like, you know, talking a whole lot, but this is, this is a good thing, you know, especially coming off the news that we lost Bob Bondurant and, uh, Del McCoward, um, not too long ago. It's good to say one of these positive stories. Um, there's also the positive that, uh, Corey Lejoy and his wife are pregnant with their second child, and, um... Samantha Bush and Kyle Bush will be having a second child, and I know that their story, you know, whether you like uh, Kyle and Sam, you know, their, their story's kind of heartbreaking um, with, um, you know, how uh, they've had to deal with miscarriages and all in the past uh, while trying to carry a second child, um, so... You know a little bit of positiveness. Um, like I said, next week we are. Um, I don't know what I'm doing yet. Um, I may do another what if. Um, may it may take me a little bit because uh, I have. While I have an idea, there there are um, so many interesting stories to tell with this what if. Um, I'm gonna give you a hint. It's of a current. Cup Series team with a Hall of Fame owner. So, stay tuned for that one. Um, Like I said, I don't know if that'll be next week or possibly the week after. Um, So, I I don't know. Uh, I'm going to be out of work for another couple of days. Uh, Unfortunately, we've had the, the COVID strike in our house and, you know, we were quarantining and You know, with it being a child, um, I really don't want to, you know, put too much ahead of me while trying to take care of um, COVID in the house. So, um, like I said, I I don't know what we'll do. Maybe maybe we'll do the grading. Maybe we'll we'll do the other what if. Um, You know, like I said, if we do... The only hints I can give you, it's a current cup owner and Hall of Famer. So that should narrow it down to three or four or five teams. Five? Holy crap. I didn't realize that there were still that many owners that are in the Hall of Fame currently in the sport. So that should narrow it down from um, many of these and uh, narrow it down to those five. And I'll let you, I'll let you guys all think about that. Um, But in the meantime, hopefully you guys are all checking out the rest of the shows on CKCC Radio. Um, Give them a like, a subscribe, uh, a listen. I I am going to tell you, if you are a wrestling fan, and I'm going to say this right now, no shame to this. uh, Check out The A Show. um, Their most current episode Uh, is on Wrestling Society X, a... um, a wrestling show that aired on MTV for one year. Uh, I have never, never, and all the years I've listened to podcasts and recorded podcasts, I've never had to pull over because I was laughing so hard up until this most recent episode. Um, so definite props to Chris Decker and Matt Darline, the two hosts of the show. Um... Because they had probably one of the funniest shows I listened to. Um, it, it's definitely one of their best ones, but I I thoroughly enjoyed this one. So, anyway, until next time, I'm Matt Hardman, and uh, while the track out there is a little icy, I will see you at the track. Till next time.